Hey there, witches, and welcome to Moonstone Witchery, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft and spirituality in a modern context. My name is Rian Lockard, and thank you so much for joining me here today. You can find me on Instagram at Moonstone underscore witchery. You can find me on Facebook in my super witchtastic group, which is at almost 90,000 members now. Thank you all so much for joining me there. And you can find me on my website at moonstonewitchery.com where you can book a reading with me or buy a really cool enchanted key or some intuitively chosen crystals or subscribe to our Crystal of the Month service. There's a whole lot of cool stuff you can do over there. So anyway, commercial break is over. Let's jump in and get started. I am sitting in my office right now with two of my little animal friends, um, my dog who is obsessed with me and always next to me, and my cat who tolerates my existence and is currently kind of prancing about on my desk and in my office chair, which she thinks is really hers. Okay, I wanted to kind of talk about a couple things today. Um, A bunch of questions come up in the witchy group that are all interconnected in certain ways. So this is going to be a nice little cauldron full of witchy things for right now. Um, Upcoming episodes are going to include parenting, psychic, um, and sensitive, empathic children, and dealing with um, familial dynamics that have narcissism as part of their um, dynamic. After my empath and narcissist episode, I had a few requests from people to discuss the link between um, being raised in a really like narcissistic and toxic environment. And oh boy, do I have a lot of experience on that. So because I have time constraints today, I'm going to save that for another day, but keep your ears, I suppose, open for that one to come. I've been getting a lot of requests for um, advice on how to connect to spirit guides, how to know what is your intuition versus what is like anxiety or thoughts, um, how to do some deeper level divination, some requests for tips on meditation, things of that nature. So I'm going to just kind of throw a couple things out there and we'll see where they go. And hopefully I will remember all of those things that I just listed at you because I did not write them down and me and my ADHD are in for a ride with that list. Let's get started with the list though. Okay, so a lot of people like to ask me, who are my spirit guides? How many do I have? What do they look like? What are their names? These are both valid and also somewhat invalid questions. And that's not for me to make anybody feel bad. Um, it's it's so relatable to want to have a concept of these beings, these entities, right, that devote their energy to guiding us through our lives. It's relatable to want to humanize them and put them into some contextual form that we can visualize and access. But the truth is that these beings don't really have a form or a name or a shape that they take. Um, There's maybe not even a set number of them. See, What your human brain is doing is attempting to personify something that is um, based simply in the energy realm. And it makes sense that it would do this, right? Because 
we exist currently in the physical realm and therefore the physical realm feels very real and very vivid and very tangible to us and we have a brain that exists only in the physical realm and that brain is like requesting us to make some sense of all of this craziness that we are trying to access and it needs to filter it in a way so that it can understand and so we humanize concepts and we name them even the very act of having language is an attempt to kind of humanize concepts right um if i was to say love affair that is a, a conglomeration of words that has a very specific kind of willow no thank you sorry about it that is a a conglomeration of words that has a very specific energy about it. Um, those words, there's a reason that I told you all about my cat and my dog being in here at the beginning. And that reason is becoming more and more clear to me as I speak to you. Um, if a battle breaks out, I will be right back. Um, so what's happening is that that phrase, love affair, it's got a certain energy to it. It's relatable. We all kind of have something come up for us, whether we interpret affair as an affair or we interpret love affair as like a whole whirlwind romance or whatever it is. But we have developed language to put words and therefore to make tangible, because sound waves exist in reality, um, to make tangible a concept, right? All of language is trying to make tangible concepts that exist in the energy realm because a thought is a shapeless thing that exists in the energy realm. And before we learn language, we don't think in language, right? And animals don't think in language. And if you are ever trying to do animal communication, um, bypass your need for language and instead dip into um, images and send an image from your mind to the animal's mind or receive an image from the animal's mind into your mind. Or even better, send an image from your energy field into the animal's energy field and vice versa because animals do not have language like we do. And so this is a big um, snag for people trying to do um, animal communicating. But I digress. So if we are understanding that language provides a tangible access point to intangibility, then we begin to understand this concept that when we are trying to humanize something or when we are trying to put a face or a name or a word to something, what we're trying to do is make sense of something that exists in the intangible realm that we don't really have and haven't been granted much access to. Now, the very fact that we have to do this shows us how disempowered we've been by the culture, right? Like the very fact that we have to struggle to come up with validating names or images or words about our guides and our access to our guides. It shows us that we haven't been taught that from the beginning. And the reason we haven't been taught that from the beginning is insert patriarchal rant here, which by that I mean um, because the whole system is designed to keep us from our own power. I want you to ask yourselves a question. And that question is, why would spirituality and witchcraft be so vilified and demonized, no pun intended, but really pun actually intended because that's on purpose, right? They have intentionally connected 
witch work and spiritual empowerment to the concept of evil or the concept of demons or the concept of negativity. And this is because it didn't serve the forces that be and the powers that be for the general population, especially women or women identifying people, to have access to their own spiritual personal power. And so they did that on purpose. They, they launched a whole campaign, and this is not hyperbolic. They launched a whole campaign back in the day to literally eradicate and place actual tangible fear in the hearts of anyone who knew that they were allowed to access spiritual empowerment. Please go look at what the Crusades were about because it is all about that. And what they would do was slaughter, rape, murder, set fire to, and all kinds of other torture um, to eradicate anyone's connection to their own spiritual power. And this is not an exaggeration. And it's actually a point of immense sadness and pain and um, heartache. But it's been done on purpose. Please don't don't misunderstand. It has been done on purpose. And so there is a whole entire centuries, if not millennial long, campaign against you knowing how spiritually connected you are. I mean, it's hardwired. This is some DNA stuff. And when they're talking to us about generational curses or curses carried from family to family to family, I'd like to throw in the curse of monotheism or the curse of Christianity. And I'm sorry if you are Christian and listening to this, but if you are Christian and listening to this and offended by it, that means you still have some work to do around taking ownership of what your ancestors and your religion has done to literally the entire world in the name of power. And if you are Christian and listening to this and you don't like what's been done, then please be the change you wish to see in the world and become more inclusive and get loud about that to your other fellow Christians, please. Um, But so these things have been done on purpose because we have been taught to stay very far away from the concept of our own spiritual empowerment and really from our own empowerment in general, especially if we are women or especially if we are gay or part of the LGBT community or if, God forbid, we are of a different race other than white and blonde, right? So let's think about it this way. With this campaign being launched against our own sense of empowerment, of course we are afraid of the things they told us to be afraid of because not only did they tell us you will be damned, you will go to hell, you will never have a life that you want, you will be just just ruined in the afterlife and the afterlife is eternity, they said. Not only will these things happen to you, but they backed that up with real-life torture in the real-life frame of time and in the real-life places that these people existed and then often they would even release their victims back to their villages so they could return hobbling and broken and bleeding to tell their family members and their friends stay away from your own spiritual practice it's not worth it And this is also why many of the Psalms and the Bible verses were originally adapted, often in slavery, to become spells. See, actually, back in the day when the Bible was being created, it was being created from the spell books that existed at the time, and that's something they really don't want you to know. See also Dead Sea Scrolls. See also all of the secret books of the Bible that are hidden away in the libraries of the Vatican, because they do exist, and they are there revealing many, many secrets, many of which were written by women, but they don't want you to know that either, right? So I want us to unpack the fact that 
we have fear around accessing our own spirituality and that fear has been intentionally placed there. Now, me being a nice little skeptic, and yes, I am actually a skeptic. Interesting to find a psychic medium who will call herself a skeptic, but you have met one now because I don't automatically believe what anyone is saying. I will not really ever let any energy workers touch me unless I truly know and understand who they are and what they are doing. And I really barely let anybody read me. Now, side note, that has all shifted recently due to the explosion of my Facebook group where I am approving people to be readers and their test to become one is that they must read me and read me very accurately. So that's been an interesting um, shift in my world recently. But so if we've been taught to have fear, right? And we've been taught to be afraid of our inner power, we must say to ourselves, why? And the why is very interesting because why would a whole group of people, and if we look to who that group of people is, it tends to be cis hetero white males, um, we will see that they are the ones in fear. They are the ones having problems and they have decided that they are going to attack anyone who threatens their power because perhaps those people have easier access to magic or spiritual connection than they do. Just a working theory that I'm currently working with. And so if they're so afraid of us having access to that spiritual power, then we must really have access to it, right? We must really have something there. Because anybody who is that scared of something that they are willing to fight and kill and set fire to and destroy over it, well, there must be something really amazing there. So what I want you to do is I want you to say to yourself, where does this fear come from? And do I agree that I should have a fear around this topic? Because I'll tell you this, I don't agree to it. I don't agree at all. I don't fear my own power. I embrace my own power. And so we don't have words. We haven't been taught how to listen to our intuition. We haven't been taught how to know who our guides are. We haven't been taught how to access the magic within ourselves and use it. And we haven't been taught this. And in fact, it's the opposite of not having been taught it. We've been taught to fear it. We've been taught to never touch it. We've been taught to run away from it. We've been taught to turn it in, to convert it, to diminish it, to dismantle it. And so that must mean it's really great. So... Because we don't have words for these things, people come to me and they say, who are my guides? What are their names? What do they look like? And my guides in these kinds of conversations tend to kind of shrug their shoulders like, I mean, you can tell her the truth. Um, and then I say to my guides, well, tell me what it is this person needs to hear or needs to see or needs to visualize or needs to connect to in order to access you. And it is then and only then that I will get some answers. But the truth is that our guides are shapeless. They're formless. If anything, they maybe look like a silhouette of a person just flooded with galaxies and light. But truly, they don't really look like much of anything because they both are and are not in existence. See, we can't really judge whether they exist or not because um, this reality that we're in, does this reality even really exist or not? You know, what does exist even actually mean? But 
exist they do in some way or another nonetheless because we have access to them right and so they will show up to you in whatever capacity is right for you and this is why most of my work the keystone if you will of pretty much everything i teach is self-trust and self-empowerment and that is because i need for you or i want for you i gift you with i bless you with the ability to trust what you receive because your guides are speaking to you in your own language. And if they're speaking to you in your own language, that means that no one is more equipped and no one is more of an expert at interpreting this than you are. So if you say to your guides, and I do know I made a whole episode about this before, so forgive me for the repetition, but sometimes things repeat because we need to hear them. If you say to your guides, what is your name? and you get a fairly mundane name, just accept that and go with it. When I was in college, I was an English and creative writing major, and I would always get hung up in the story time part of my assignments where I was writing something of fiction. I would always get so hung up with naming my characters. And this is because there was never a name that was like good enough or it wasn't like believable enough. Everyone would know this was a fictional person. I would say to myself, everyone's going to know it's fake. The name just sounds too convenient. Like what? What does that even mean? Does anybody have a very convenient name? I don't think so. Gosh, Lord knows I don't, (laughs) but whatever. Um, And the same thing can happen to us. This is self-doubt like manifested in our own little inner thoughts right there, right? The same thing can happen to us when we are trying to discern the name of our guides or what our guides look like. We go, well, it can't be that. That feels too easy. Bam, bingo, right there. It feels too easy because it belongs to you. And it belongs to you because what if that is the right name for you? See, instead of being against yourself, I really need you to get on your own side here. If you are wanting to know the name of your guides and you receive a name, either through like hearing it in your mind or having it show up in a meditation or you hear the same name repeated like over and over again in your world, if that happens to you, then trust it. Be on your own side. Trust that you receive the answers that you wish for. Whatever you get is the right thing. Because honestly, they don't have names like we do. They don't have them. They just don't. Or if they have names, we don't understand them or we can't hear them or our minds can't fathom them. I don't know what they look like. I know what they show me they look like for me. But what I see might not work for you. And I can and will receive what do they look like for my client and what are their names. But I also often throw it back to the client because I want the client themselves to do this very initial step in self-trust and to believe themselves, right? I want the client to hear something, to receive something, and to trust it as an access point. So try to sit with that and try to see what happens. Now, if you're not good with visualization and you're trying to meditate to see your guides and that's not really your thing, that's okay. You're not wrong. There's nothing wrong with you, okay? Try asking for external signs because the world around you is another form of visualizing. Our brains are filtering out so much visual stimulation on a regular basis that when we notice something, it is worth paying attention to. Notice what you're noticing because there is something there for you in that. 
It is an external form of a visualization. It is the external form of an awareness. It is the external form of a psychic message when you see and notice something and pay attention to it based on that. So what I really want you to do is to say, hey, spirit guides, illuminate for me what your name is and pay attention to your world and you will get an answer. Or if you immediately have something pop into your awareness at the time that you ask that, work with it for a while and see if it makes sense to you because that is really how it works. And now I'm segueing a little bit into meditation, which I think was on my list of things to talk about, but I'm not actually remembering all of the rest of them because I've had to pause recording three separate times already and let out a cat and then let out a dog and then talk to a child. So forgive me if I miss things. Um, But What I want to talk about with meditation is it is okay if you struggle with meditating. One of my recent witchy subscription boxes was focused on meditation and we focused on it in a way that was hopefully accessible, but also allowed a person to just have whatever experience they're having. Meditation is here to help you learn how to clear your mind. I touched on this in one of my most recent episodes. But if you struggle with it, there are many forms of achieving that same result. And for many people who struggle with visual meditation or like mental meditation or just kind of sitting and closing your eyes, whatever you want to call that, I want to offer you this. Um, Meditation can be kinetic, meaning movement-based. So I don't know about you, but if you've ever exercised or done any kind of cardio, there's like 20 minutes of like absolute like hell and torture. And then you like slip into some kind of place. And that place can only be described, in my opinion, as meditative, right? When we slip into that place, when we go to that meditative state, it's because our mind has kind of given up on the battle and it reaches this state of acceptance and it kind of clears itself out. And when we get into that space, what do we hear? We hear our breath. We hear our feet on the pavement. We feel our body moving. We hear the music we're playing and we just detach and kind of drift there and get through the rest of the workout. And this is a form of kinetic meditation. It's silencing of the mind. Another form of meditation, though, is mindfulness. And I know mindfulness has all kinds of buzziness around it, but I also realize that most people have no idea what mindfulness even really means. And that's because, like, it's trendy to be mindful. But as with a lot of things that are trendy, there's, like, the initial kind of introduction into it and not really a lot of the depth behind it. And so mindfulness simply means, at first it seems to mean Paying attention to what you're doing. What it actually means is doing what you're doing with such focused intention that you slip away from it and your mind is silenced. So there's that mantra like chopping wood and gathering water. These are mindfulness exercises, right? Chopping carrots, preparing a meal is a very mindful thing. So to all my kitchen witches out there, Heads up to you for doing your witchery in a very meditative, magical state. 
Because when we can slip into that space, we are just at one with our own energy field and we're acting from that place of our own energy field. And mindfulness allows us to be so focused that we're not focused on anything anymore. And we dip up into that like transcendent kind of reality where everything is clear and quiet and it is kind of lovely there, right? And so if you struggle with closing your eyes and being in a meditation state, or even if you don't struggle with it, but you want to increase your own meditative capabilities, I really want you to practice with this. Practice with finding other things. Clean your house and mop your floors and do so until you are not thinking and you're just kind of there on autopilot. It does the same thing. Now, if we're talking about... um having some kind of guided meditation experience or something like that, then what we're going to figure out is that we don't necessarily really need to visualize for that either. Um, You can listen to the story and take it in. And later when you're done, when you think about it, what other things you add to it as you're thinking about it, those might be part of the experience that you had. See, I kind of think that when we listen to something, we download it into our energy field. And after we do that, we are then like shifted, right? When we listen to something, we download it into our energy field and it kind of shapes us and our thoughts and how we move forward. And in that way, it has done something or it shifts our reflections a little bit or it shifts our interaction with that topic. So just allow yourself to kind of have access to your own experience because that is the way that it works. Because like, just like I was saying with your spirit guides, there's not one singular way to do this. These tools are really just access points for us to get into the right energy. The energy is what matters. The tools provide us the access to it. Do you understand? And so there's not really one right or wrong way to access that energy. Whatever the way to do it that actually gets you specifically there is the right way because that's the right way for you. And this leads me to my next thing, which I actually remember from the beginning, which is like kind of magical tools and divination, right? The cat came back in. So with magical tools and with divination, they are just simply that. They are just simply tools. They're just tools. These are things that exist in the tangible reality that allow us to access an intangible part of ourselves. So, for example, tarot cards are a beautiful representation of what I'm talking about today. Each card represents a very specific situation or energy or conglomeration of events that has been distilled into one card with words and images attached to it. It's commenting on a specific circumstance and it's bringing that circumstance to light. This is how oracle cards work too. They put a word or a phrase on the card and that word or phrase represents the energy of that situation. And when you pull it, it's answering the question. You say, what do I need right now? And the card says, you need this. And then you can access that energy field. The card itself isn't inherently magical. It's full of words and images that represent the magic to us. And this is also why I always tell anybody who's learning how to do any kind of readings, 
You must interpret the signs for yourself in your own way because spirit is communicating with you in your own language. And your own language matters because your language is what you've developed to represent those energies that I'm talking to you about. And your guides know that and they utilize that to communicate with you. So when we are utilizing magical tools, what we're doing is we're speaking to the energy of the tool, but we're also speaking to the energy of all that is. We're saying spiritual plane of existence, right? Energy realm all around me. I have a question or I need a shift or I want to understand something better. Please show me my answers in the form of these cards or these runes or external signs that appear to me. But this is also kind of why when we just get random signs and things on repetition, it's really hard to interpret them because spirit is using the random animals or energies or numbers to kind of try to convey something to us. So if you are in a situation where you're seeing or receiving repeated patterns of things and you don't know what they mean, go ahead and Google. That's fine. But also perhaps do a reading for yourself or have someone do a reading for you, although I'd prefer that you do it for yourself, using cards because cards are really created specifically to encapsulate those certain messages for you. And you can shuffle your cards and you can say, what are all the signs I'm receiving trying to tell me? And sometimes if we're just at the beginning of our spiritual journey and we're getting lots of repetitive numbers, it's spirit's way of telling us, I'm here with you. It's working. I can receive your messages and you can receive mine. And that's really as simple as it is. I want you to try to not overcomplexify. That's not a word, but try to not overcomplicate um, the situation for yourself. See, we also often don't really give ourselves enough credit. Well, we, we like look for things to be like massive and very confusing and very complex and very hard to understand. Am I interpreting it right? Am I doing it right? It just seems to mean that my guides are with me. Well, isn't that nice to know though? Like, wouldn't it be cool to like give yourself credit that you are receiving a message from your guides and let that be enough? Because that's what's happening. Don't you want your communication with spirit to be really easy and accessible? Wouldn't you like to pull out your phone and just text message your guides and be like, hey, what should I do now? And they're like, hey, stay home today. Wouldn't that be helpful? Because that's what they're trying to do for you all the time. <clears throat> just saying. Not everything is some super complicated riddle from the universe just set out here for you to solve. That's not really the point. So like, let it be easy. Can you allow it to be easy? Can you allow it to be simple enough that you can do it? Because let's go back to the beginning of the podcast episode, right? Where I was telling you all about the history um, and the kind of intense war being waged upon spiritual empowerment. It must be your birthright to be able to access spirit, especially if they are trying so hard to keep you from it. The culture is tilting its hand all over the place. Anything they rally against, anything they campaign against, it must be for the highest good because the highest good does not serve the individual. We are here as a collective. We are here in unity and in oneness, but we have been taught that it is monotheistic. It is singular. It is the I. It is the one. 
There is nothing really empowering for the ego or the individual if we are able to access the collective, and that is fear and scarcity, and it has a lot of control on our culture. But they tilt their hand because anything they don't like is something that is beneficial to the collective. So we really have to get with it. And at the beginning of big movements or changes or reformations, the people starting those campaigns, right? They are aware of the collective and they beautifully start campaigns for the collective. Look at Jesus himself. Jesus himself was so all about oneness, so about oneness, so about the collective. And yet, look what's been done with the work that he laid forth. Look what's been done with the foundation he set. It's actually the saddest thing. But so if they are trying so hard to keep you from your power, you must be very powerful just inherently, just innately. Think about all the times in your life that you've wished for something to happen and then it did. Or think about all the times in your life that you kind of knew someone was going to call you and they did. Or that you kind of had a sense about something and you were right. This is what's happening not even when you're not trying, but when you're actively not not trying. Like when you're actively super not trying, when you're actively trying to stay away from trying, you're still getting the downloads. Now imagine the shift that happens when you intentionally decide to embrace your own power and your own magnificence. I call this owning your magnificence. And in the times before COVID, when speaking in public was still a thing that I did, I gave a whole talk called owning your magnificence. And when we own our magnificence, what we do is we are willing to see our innate greatness and we're willing to take ownership of it and use it. But that's probably an episode for another day. But my point here is, if you can grant yourself access to your own power, then interpreting your signs and your messages becomes easy and not hard. Do you think that it's possible that you make it harder for yourself to do this because of fear and because of self-doubt and because of this sense of like not being good enough and because of comparison? Is that possible that you're doing that to yourself, if not probable, because that's what we've been taught to do to ourselves because of capitalism and all of the rest of it? And so your job is to dismantle all the ways in which you have internalized this scarcity mentality for yourself and that you have told yourself, I don't have access to that. Why are we believing the stories that they told us? I don't choose to believe them. I revoke that. I'm going to go ahead and believe my own self. I'm going to go ahead and believe my own self. I'm going to believe my own lived experiences. I'm going to believe the experiences of others who I respect and love. I'm going to receive and believe the experiences of true ascended masters that I've studied from history and the ages. I'm not going to just believe what I was told from a place of fear. And so I want us to be able to allow ourselves to be able to access our divination tools and our spiritual tools in a way that is empowering to us. And oh my God, my cat just literally scaled the chair behind me. It is, this is a fabric sort of upholstered leopard print chair that she just climbed up with her literal claws, stood behind me and then jumped over my shoulder and her tail like wrapped around my neck as she did. What is happening with her? 
The energy is big. This cat loves witchcraft. She's always present for spell work. Um, so allow yourself to say, what if I can do this? What if this is actually my birthright? Because it is. And I want to just take a little twist on the road of comparison for a moment because comparison does absolutely nothing for you but disempower you. Comparison robs you. Remember that saying, comparison is the thief of joy? It's the thief of joy, but it's also the thief of self-trust. It's also the thief of um, like self-understanding, insight, knowing your own wisdom, knowing your own incredible giftedness. Comparison makes you feel small and ashamed and wrong and not good enough. And when you find yourself in comparison, ask yourself, what am I afraid of right now about my own self-empowerment? Because we'll drop into comparison when it's becoming time for us to like take ownership of some way in which we're good enough. And that's so far out of our comfort zone for ourselves that our brain literally searches for a reason that we're not allowed to do that. And it finds or lands upon someone else who must be better than us. And it says, well, you're not doing it like them, so you're probably wrong. Well, how is that helpful? It's actually not. Okay. It's not helpful. And it's also incorrect because you are you for a reason. And the way in which you're going to receive your things is going to belong to you. So it's really not going to look the same way as it would for others, is it? And for everyone that you're comparing yourself to, there are people comparing themselves to you. And I want you to think about that. And I want you to ask yourself, what would I say to them? Because the truth is true in reverse as well as to what these other people who you're comparing yourself to would say to you. And it would likely be something empowering, something that's like, hey, um, it's really not that great. You're kind of like over-exaggerating how amazing this thing I can do is. I just learned how to do it and I just worked on trusting myself or whatever it might be, you know? So these are my thoughts for today. I think I had another thing to talk about, but it's gone, so it must not be for today. But I really wanted to drop over and I wanted to tell you that you are allowed to access your guides in whatever way works for you. You're allowed to just start speaking to them. They're going to show up as your own thoughts at times. Oh, you know what I think it was? Maybe it had something to do with like discerning the difference between our intuition and our not intuition. I think that's what it was. So if that was what it was, I'm just going to speak about it for a minute. Um, your intuition is an inner knowing. It often doesn't make sense with logic. And it typically, typically doesn't have a lot of fear attached to it. Now that I'm saying that with a little asterisk on it and I'm going to circle back for a second. But your intuition is like, this knowing that can't always be explained with logic. <clears throat> it's like your inner compass is nudging you and it's nudging you and it's nudging you and it's nudging you. And even though you can't always make sense of what it's saying to you, it's persistent, but it's subtle and subliminal, but it's present. Our anxiety or our worry is frantic. It's more kinetic. It feels unsettling. I can't sit with it. I have to figure it out. See, with an anxiety response or a fear response, there's an element of taking it out of my body and putting it up into my mind to make sense of it. 
And sometimes saying, is there a fear here that I could solve through like making a list or having an action plan? And if that dismantles it, it's anxiety or worry. Because sometimes having a plan when regards to our intuition doesn't mean anything. If my intuition's like drive to Target and go up to the Starbucks and order a cookie, I'm going to be like, what am I supposed to, why? Right? Like it doesn't make any sense. But I just go do the thing anyway. But my fear or anxiety is like, what if um, the fire alarm gets set at Target and I get stuck inside when the, like, I don't know when the fire department's coming. I don't know. I'm making up something. Um, That has like a solvable pathway where I'll go, okay, if I hear a fire alarm go off in Target, I'm going to just drop my cookie on the floor and immediately beeline it safely to the door. You know, if I can make a plan that solves the persistence, then it's not really my intuition. So I don't know if that's something I brought up or if it's not, but there it is. My point of this episode is to grant you access because our tools are just tools. They are representations of something else. Even a candle. Now, interestingly, when we're doing spell work, what we're doing with the candles is really super cool. And I talked about this in one of my very first episodes on magic theory, but I don't know that everybody has listened to that. But either way, I'm going to talk about it again really quick because I love this. What you're doing with spell work is, okay, <clears throat> so the premise is that everything in this reality that we certain that we are currently sitting in is a physical manifestation of an energetic shift in the energy field, right? So everything you're looking at is a tangible representation of some form of energy that exists in the energy plane, and it just kind of printed it into reality. And that is how come things exist in reality. And that is why everything that exists in reality has an innate energy about it. And we know this to be so because crystals exist and because um, really special objects that belonged to loved ones who passed away exist and they don't they're not just like necklaces or chinaware anymore they are my grandmother's favorite china set and they are my favorite aunt's necklace and it has her energy in it right the fact that anything can be special shows us that there's an innate and inherent energetic component to everything <clears throat> And so this means that the concept, and Plato talks about this, right, where he discusses that there is the archetype of everything that exists in the energy plane and then it gets printed and as it gets printed into reality, there's certain flaws or changes that happen, but the archetype of it is the perfect form of it. And that is what he's describing, that in the energy plane, there is the prototype of all things. And those things can be created and destroyed or whatever, shift around at any moment. And so what we're doing with candle work, and I love this, is we are reverse engineering that system. We're saying, oh, okay, so you guys are responding to my energy and my needs and where I'm at and the self-work I've done and everything that I'm calling forth into my life. And if I'm in alignment with something, you're printing it and putting it into my reality. You're using your 3D printer and you're placing it into my reality, right? That's what we're doing. That's like law of attraction, essentially. It's distilled way far down. I should probably do a law of attraction episode now that I'm talking about it because there is so much stuff about that. Anyway, so with candle magic, We're going, oh, okay, right. So what you guys are doing is you're printing things based on what I'm putting out there. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to intentionally put something out there and I'm going to want you to print that reality into existence for me. 
And so what is a candle? A candle is an object that exists in the tangible world, but it turns into energy, right? As a candle burns, everything in the candle is consumed and becomes energy. And so this is why whatever we write upon a candle becomes the spell that has been cast into the universe because it burns into the energy realm. Do you see what I'm saying? We are sending a carrier pigeon to spirit every time we light a candle. We are entering the like code in the behind the scenes computer program to tell it what it's going to go ahead and do next. We are programming reality through our candle spells. This is why what you write upon that candle really does matter. <clears throat> and when I'm teaching spell work, I am teaching it from a place that might be different than what you expect. Because what I am saying is your spells are going to work. So we got to be really super special clear about what we want our spells to be. And this is where your self work comes in. Because if you think you want one certain result, but it's all tied up onto what someone else does or what someone else says or how someone else acts, you are out of line. This is why self-work and magic have to go hand in hand. Because if you're not able to be clear as to what it is that you are manifesting, you're going to start turning on that 3D printer in the spiritual realm and it's going to start printing all kinds of chaos and havoc for you. This isn't some like rule of three, oh my gosh, bounce back thing. This is really like, you told it to print that, so I don't know what you're mad about, but you're like, but I didn't mean to. Get clear with yourself. Get clear with yourself and get clear with your words and get clear with what your words mean. And that's why this episode is helpful because I want you to pay attention, pay so much attention to what words mean to you. What do phrases mean to you? What do symbols mean to you? What does all of this stuff mean to you? Because as you write those things onto your candles, what they mean to you gets put onto those candles and then you're calling forth that reality unto yourself. Does this make sense? So sit with these thoughts. Let me know what you think. I love to hear from everybody. I love it so much when I get a message from one of y'all, especially because since I've been in this, like moderating this group, um, it's been a little interesting in my DMs. <clears throat> if I ever have to like remove someone from the group, I get a lot of mean messages. <laughs> so like my partner was like, we used to get nice messages sometimes from people. And now we just get messages that are like, F you, like, hope you fall off the planet, like all this stuff. And she's not wrong. That is kind of true. So I would love to hear from you if you have something positive to say. And I will say something positive back to you. But either way, sit with the messages here and turn them around in your mind. Think it through. You are so capable. You are so capable of taking in these concepts, thinking about them, understanding them, and applying them to yourself. Please believe me on that one because you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening to my words. You wouldn't be resonating with anything I'm saying if you weren't capable, if this wasn't within the realm of your capabilities. And as a side note, I just want to shout out to my moderators um, who are helping me on Facebook. 
because it has been life-changing to have your support and I love you so much. And to anyone who's listening to this, whether you just got here, and especially those of you who have been here with me from the beginning, I love you so much too. And I am so thankful for the support and for the listenership and just for the love that you share by listening to my podcast and sharing it. The greatest thing you can ever do is share my work with others. It means so much to me. It's the biggest compliment you can pay me. I am here on this earth to just be a conduit of spirit, to just be a channel. And oh my God, I had to do so much work to get to that place, but I'm here and I'm here to share this mess these lessons, these messages, this information with you. So thank you for being willing to receive them. I love you all. Blessed be and have a beautiful rest of your day. I'm going in search of witches. Witches? Witches. I guess you found me out, huh? Yeah. You should come around here on Halloween. You'd really see something then. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we all jump off the roof and fly. You know, sort of like a coven. We were placed fester under some strange sexual spell. What time will we be spellcasting?